What up, guys? It's JP from the Double Double, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben. What's going on, everybody? Welcome. And today we're going to do an episode of Trends and Dead Ends. I believe we did this last year as well. It was a very popular episode, so we're bringing this format back. And I know, Ben, you're especially enthusiastic about this type of format, so I'll hand over the keys to you and let you uh, start off. Perfect. Yeah, I think this is just good to do early in the season. Talk about, you know, what's going on right now in the NBA landscape, make some predictions on what's going to stick, what's not going to stick. Um, and I think best place to start here is with the Cavs. Cleveland Cavaliers are five and one without Darius Garland. Donovan Mitchell is averaging 32.2 points a game, has been the leader, the shot taker on this team. Um, five and one record was not what I was expecting. We really, we penciled in the Cavs as like a, at best, home court advantage team at the end of the regular season. This is far better than I expected them to start. Uh, Trends and dead ends is going to be about Donovan Mitchell and the Cavs offense. Do you think this production can last? I do. I do think this can last. I think him being a 32 point per game scorer probably doesn't keep up the entire season because that would be like MVP level scoring. But could he finish the season with 28 points per game, 100%. Um, and I tweeted out last night, and I I believe this, I'm not sure there's a player in the league playing better than Donovan Mitchell right now, other than Giannis. Because um, Giannis is doing it on both ends, but we look at, we can look, go look at Luka's numbers, and Luka's numbers are insane. Luka's not playing defense like Donovan Mitchell. Like, Donovan Mitchell is playing defense. We talked about it in the offseason. He's locking up people, and he's maybe the best three-point shooter in the league right now at 45%, and he's taking nine a game. Uh, he, he's just been virtually unstoppable. He rolls to the rim, crashes down on people. He shoots off the dribble threes endlessly and makes every single one of them. So in terms of the Cavs offense, like I don't see this slowing down, and they, they're getting their all-star point guard back soon. So, yeah, I, I'm very optimistic on this team's offense moving forward and just their record. I think it's pretty ridiculous that they were able to do all of this without Darius Garland. Um, Donovan Mitchell's been kind of like the forced point guard so far with these games that Garland's been missing. It's definitely not what he's doing best, but he had 12 assists last game. He is trying to involve his teammates. You can tell every possession he wants to score. He's probably, he's the best scorer on the floor at all times. So it's probably the best move, but he makes good reads. Um, He's been awesome. The offensive rating, for the Cavs is sixth in the league right now, and the defensive rating is second. Um, so to expect Donovan Mitchell to be on a team with a top two defensive rating is special, man. Um, he was, by the numbers, one of the worst defenders in the NBA in the playoffs the last two years. Um, to see him put in really high-level effort, to see him go for blocks, to go for steals and passing lanes, we did not see that in Utah. Um, I think it speaks to the culture in Cleveland, which is a crazy thing to say. And it's awesome to see that Cleveland's actually a team that's rocking. Um, I I kind of believe you. I think the offensive rating's here to stay with Darius Garland. It's just going to be more fluid passing. Other guys getting more open looks. And you're right. Maybe Donovan Mitchell dips to like, you know, 28 points a game, but that's fine. Right. And when Garland comes back, I don't believe there's going to be any issues because all it does is put Karis LeVert back on the bench as a sixth man. Because I I don't see how you can take Dean Wade out of the lineup at this point. He was unbelievable last night, defensively and offensively. Like this guy, he's not just your average role player. He is an above average role player. At six foot ten, he's 
hitting, I think, one of the highest clips in the league from three-point land. So, I don't know, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Dean Wade, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, that'll get it done on both sides of the ball. This team this team has a higher ceiling than a four seed, in my opinion. It looks like it, man. It definitely looks like it right now. Um, I think the Milwaukee Bucks have started on such a hot streak that, you know, they may end up the one seed. Um, we knew they were going to be top three. They look incredible. I feel like it's hard to top them. Um, but Cleveland looks excellent. It looks like teams are really going to have to prove themselves against them. Cleveland, I thought, was going to be a team that was going to be struggling for a bit early, but they're off to as good a start as you could ask for, literally. Dean Wade, by the way, 62.5% three-point shooting this season. And and it's not a fluke. That's because I talked about this on the podcast for it feels like over a year. Like the shots Isaac Okoro was getting, he didn't have anyone within 10 feet of this dude. Yes. Dean Wade's getting the same shots, except he's actually an elite three-point shooter. So he's making them, and I believe he'll continue to make them. Not Obviously not at 60%, but I, I just view this team as a wagon. And their depth, I know, I know you were a little concerned about the depth. You didn't think, like, I don't know. You weren't excited about it as I was. I'll just I'm say. still not excited about it, but, I mean, they're definitely proving themselves. But last night, Kevin Love comes off the bench and gives you 29 and 16 in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Like, just to have guys who can do that, like Chetty, I've seen him do that before. Ricky Rubio's not even back yet. Karis LeVert just had 41 points the other night. Yeah. They just have guys who can score when they need them to score, and then they clamp the fuck out of people. Evan Mobley made Julius Randle scared to even look at the rim last night. It was hilarious. I was literally laughing in bed while watching the game. So, yeah, this team's a wagon. Yeah, it was a 15-point fourth quarter for the New York Knicks. Uh, The Cleveland Cavaliers' true shooting percentage so far through six games is 60% as a team, as a unit. They're third in the NBA, yet special. That's all it is. It's just special. And the one more thing, I know, obviously, I'm going to talk about my team a lot because I'm excited how well they're playing. But, you know, if you're if you're trying to think of a perfect shot diet for an NBA team, you want layups, dunks and three point shooting. That's what the Cavs are doing. Jared and Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, they're feasting inside. And then Donovan Mitchell, Dean Wade, even Karis LeVert at this point, Kevin Love, all are shooting like crazy from three. So it's kind of, it's a pick your poison type of game when you face the Cavs. It's either you let them dominate you inside or you let them shoot the hell out of the ball at three-point line. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they are doing it perfectly. Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Karis LeVert, those guys can get to the mid-range if you need those. And sometimes you do need those as a team, but they're sticking to the script. They're hitting threes, they're hitting layups. It's been good. Um, I want to move on to a different player, trends and dead ends. Luka Doncic has been a one-man show for the Dallas Mavericks so far. He is taking 25 and a half shots per game. He's as averages right now are 37 points, nine and a half rebounds, and nine assists. Uh, absolutely unreal, stupid NBA 2K numbers that he's putting up. But the Mavericks are not winning. They're a 500 team right now through six games. Uh, my trends and dead ends, mother. The question for you is just going to be: Does this shot chucking keep up for Luka? Um, the three-point shooting has been at 23% so far this year. He looks gassed in the fourth quarter. We've seen that year after year. Um, do you expect this level of shot-taking to continue for Luka? I do. I do. I, I think he's probably going to be above 30 points per game again this year. He's just – he's the solar system at Dallas. Everything runs around this guy. They're going to give him as many shots as he wants per game. I – 
there it's not leading to winning though i don't yeah. think the mavs are as good as they were last year with jalen brunson and honestly a credit to jalen brunson i watched him last night i totally get the signing like I, yes i saw him in the playoffs cook rudy gobert in the jazz that felt a little fluky so i wanted to see it in person and he looked great last night they miss him a lot um yeah no, I, you're I absolutely just, right about that i don't know i don't think I think we both predicted the Mavs being the eighth seed, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that could be co- that could become true. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable thing to expect. Uh, Luka Doncic right now is approaching like MVP Westbrook numbers in terms of usage rate. Yeah. Uh, he's hovering around 40% right now, which if you don't know usage percentage, usage rate, that's absurd. Um, that is basically Luka pounding the ball into the dirt, into the floor for 24 seconds of every shot clock and then making a decision at the end. Uh, but you know, he's putting up 37 points per game. He's shooting 50% from the field. He's number two in the NBA right now in points in the paint behind right behind Giannis. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the shot chucking is a little much. The three point shot has not been there, but he is doing as much as he possibly can. Um, I like the Christian Wood addition. I like him off the bench. He's such a good spark plug. Yeah. The, the team doesn't seem to love it. Jason Kidd doesn't seem to love it. And I don't know what's up with that. Um, but when you look at this team, you're right, man. They're just, it's role players. This is a solar system team. Luka Doncic is making every decision. Yeah. It's definitely reasonable. We could end the year with him taking 26 shots a game. I mean, yeah, he's 20. He's taking 26 shots per game right now. Right. And like, yeah, I could see that continuing in, What's interesting with me, interesting for me with Luca is just the amount of three point attempts for him is around nine, and he's making two a game. That yeah. that's you can't continue shooting the ball like that. And for whatever reason, every single season so far of Luca's career, he fucking sucks from three point land to start the season. But then by season's end, he's hitting it at a forty percent clip that it somewhere averages out like. If you look at the last two seasons, he's been at 35%. He started the year at 29, but then ended the year at like 42. So it evens out. It's not a consistent 35. So right. hopefully the shooting from three ticks up with him. But as of right now, he's just, yeah, he's basically Westbrook. It's it's kind of the same exact thing because back when Westbrook was on OKC, that team was a 500 team. People seem to forget that. They were only a few games over 500. I could see a very similar outcome for this Dallas team. Yeah, man. And a lot of people, I I, I don't feel like Luka deserves the blame for the losses that the maps have taken so far. Fuck no. Um, Fuck no. And I don't I don't want to hear that narrative. I know that was a thing with Westbrook when he won that year. And it's a little different because Westbrook was the clutch guy in every single clutch shot at the end of every game that season he was taking. And we've already seen Luka defer to Luke, uh, Reggie Bullock for a couple shots, Spencer Dinwiddie, and they haven't gone in. Um but it is absolutely it's comparable. Yeah, so I'll I'll kind of take over here for a second. Trend or dead end? The Utah Jazz and San Antonio Spurs being in the playoff picture right now. The Spurs are the third seed in the West, and the Jazz are the fourth seed through in the West. Obviously, we've only played seven games this season, but are these teams gonna like stick around because they're playing better than we probably ever would have t- anticipated? It's so strange, man. I I don't expect either of these teams to stick around, especially not the Utah Jazz. Um, They've had some impressive wins. You cannot take away from the five wins that they've had this season. They're against good teams. Their defensive rating right now is top 10 in the NBA. That matters. 
Um, but the the production we're seeing from guys like Lowry Markkinen, we know what he can do. We've watched him. I loved him in Chicago. You watched him in Cleveland. Yeah. He's got a lot of skill. Um, but you know, eventually he's going to be hurt, and you know he'll be he'll drop back down to his averages. I don't see the Utah Jazz getting ten wins within the next you know twenty twenty five games, getting up to ten wins. That's fair. I, I also feel like a lot of this has to do with Will Hardy. I just think that guy, when he has talent, eventually I think he's going to be a very good head coach. And an indicator that I love of good head coaching is assists per game. And the Jazz are fourth in the league. And this team has some fucking ball hogs on it. Taylor Horton Tucker, huge ball hog. Yeah. Jordan Clarkson, huge ball hog. Colin Sexton, huge ball hog. And they're fourth in the league in assists. Like that shows they are buying into what he's saying. And this team, this mismatch of players, they're good enough to compete every single night. And it's, it's just so interesting. I don't know. I, I, it's definitely not a trend because we know Danny Ainge's plan is to make this team horrible. Yeah. Um. But for right now, like, you're not excited to go play the Utah Jazz. Absolutely not. No. And you get embarrassed when you lose to this team, even though they're five and two and the Spurs right. are just as good. The Spurs right now are number one in the NBA in assists per game. That is coaching. It's Greg Popovich. It's that's how you win ball games. You don't need to have the most talented guys on the floor. You need to play together. Yeah. Um, and I've never seen a coach that can help guys play together the way that Greg Popovich does. And we spoke about it in we and you were together yesterday. Keldon Johnson is a very good player. Like yeah. he has taken a leap forwards um, at 6'5", 220 pounds. He's, he looks great. He looks in really good shape. He is hitting a ton of threes at a very good clip and he's efficient from the floor as well. This is a guy who's like, he might be a very good young player. Like his ceiling might be higher than I thought it was originally. Dude, and he's just lost in San Antonio. That's yeah. the thing. Keldon Johnson does not get the respect he deserves because nobody's watching this team. Um, his averages are sick right now, 44% on nine threes a game from a dude who, you know, to this point in his career was just a big body getting to the hoop. Yeah. Um, he gets rebounds, offensive rebounds, like nobody's business. Um, and that's been his role up until this year, basically. I, I'm 44% from three is sick. I don't know if I expect that to continue, but he looks comfortable in the highlights that I'm watching. He looks very comfortable. Let's say even if it goes down to 39 that is an excellent three-point shooting season. Yeah. So for a guy who's kind of just like we thought could be an above-average role player, maybe he has like I can sniff an all, all-star all game at some point in my career potential. Yeah, like that, if they start winning, man, that's he, a big he's lead. the best player on the team right now. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, man, I, I love seeing both of them do well. The Spurs were in playoff contention in the all-star break by the all-star break last year. It's just what Popovich does. Um, you know, by the end of the year, we'll see the Spurs dip back down and the Jazz dip back down. How long do you expect these teams to be competitive like this for? It's interesting. I think the Spurs are just going to fight, fight, fight. Uh, I said that before the season. I had them, I think, as the 13th seed or like the 12th seed just because of Greg Popovich alone. Right. And I kind of I still believe in that. We're seeing it. We're seeing it play out right now. Um, in terms of the Jazz, I think if this team actually starts winning, 
I think Danny Ainge probably would have wanted to wait till the trade deadline, but I think he would probably just start pulling the trigger and getting everyone out of there as quick as he could. If they, if this team, if this continues for them, like if they're 10 and four by like two weeks from now, he's not going to let that continue. I agree. I definitely agree. Yeah. We'll see the dip pretty soon. I expect, you know, 10, 15 games from now, we're no longer like, holy shit, what's going on with the jazz. We're like, all right, this is what we expected. Right. Um, um I got one for you. Okay. Is Giannis just going to be the MVP? Like, is that a trend or a dead end? Because he has by far been the best player in the league, and I don't view anyone as a close second to him right now. I don't think there is a close second right now. I, I honestly, I think it's pretty likely at this point with what we've seen, Giannis will be an MVP this year. He'll take home his third. Um, my, I'm, at the start of this year, I had it between Jokic and Giannis. And the thing I didn't really think about with Jokic that I've heard talked about a lot recently is Nikola Jokic does exactly whatever's necessary to win the basketball game. Um, He doesn't need to take 22 shots a game. He doesn't even want to. Um, If he's, if his team's up 10, 12, and he wants to involve other guys, he's going to keep doing that. He's not going to shot Chuck. He's not going to put up the stats necessary to be a back-to-back-to-back MVP. Giannis right now is averaging 22 points in the second half of the game just in the second half. He's number one in the NBA in points in the paint. He's number one in the NBA in fast break points per game. Um, He is obviously the best two-way player in the NBA right now. Number two in points per game, number two in rebounds per game. Um, Yeah, it seems awesome, man. And with the team built around him the way it is, with Brooke Lopez healthy, with everything that's going on with the Bucs, feels pretty likely Giannis gets a third MVP. Yeah, this is... This is a ridiculous stretch of basketball. This is almost reminding me of like LeBron in Miami type dominance where it's just like, yeah, no one's close to that guy. Like that's just its own thing. We just kind of have to appreciate it. And I feel the same way about Giannis right now. I know you for a while thought it was 1A, 1B, him and Jokic. It's not. It's It's not. not, It's not even close. Uh, Jokic is a great player. Giannis is a different breed than Jokic. Um, What he's doing defensively alongside scoring 34 points per game on 60% from the floor. There's no one else in the league anywhere close to this guy. It's just unreal. It is unreal. He's number five in assists per game among forwards. Um, He is doing absolutely everything his team needs. He looks incredible. The thing, I I mean, I just said it, but the, the difference between him and Jokic is Giannis has a fire and a passion to destroy teams in a way that not other guys have. Right. Um, he has been unreal. I think Brooke Lopez deserves a lot of love. The fact that he's back right now, the fact that he's averaging 3.6 blocks per game. Um, it's unreal. The team's built perfectly. They're still missing pieces, but it just doesn't matter with Giannis on the floor. It really doesn't. And thank you for bringing up Brooke Lopez, because now we'll just transition into the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, is it a trend or dead end that they're the number one seed in the East? And I think it's a trend with Brooke Lopez healthy. This team has the best defense in the league. Uh, It was that way two seasons ago when they went to the finals and won it. Last year, Brooke Lopez breaks something in his back out for 72 games. They have a middle of the road defense. It was only like 16th in the league. Now they're first again. And that's not a yes, it's six games. That's not going anywhere. This team's going to be a top three defense at worst. Um, When you have Giannis roaming the court and then you have Brooke Lopez protecting the paint no one can score at the basket against this team you have to hit a great clip of threes 
Uh, yeah, this team's not going anywhere. I think they should be the favorites in the East. I think, yeah. I mean, at the way that they're playing now, it's like, you know, what I was expecting from the Celtics. Historic basketball. Um, at this point, I'm not sure if the Bucks could lose a game. Um, <laughs> they, they just look awesome, dude. Um, and as a Cavs fan, you know what it's like watching Mobley and Jared Allen on the floor at the same time and watching guys be terrified to even go into the paint. Yeah. Um, Brooke Lopez is one of the sturdiest rim protectors in the game. Giannis is a freak as a off-ball guy flying in to make defensive adjustments. Um, it's incredible, man. It's been fantastic to watch. I think they're a one seed. At, I mean, they're top two at least. Um, they started clicking from the beginning, and a lot of teams, they take a little bit to get into form, but this has been the same team year after year, um, and they know the drill. Give the ball to Giannis, and he'll cook. And they don't even have Chris Middleton, guys. I know. They don't have Chris Middleton. Um, so... Yeah, it's man. ridiculous. More so much props to the Milwaukee Bucks for just being an, a dominant, dominant force. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about a player that I just love the way he's playing right now. Trends and dead ends are about Pascal Siakam. He's played 70% of his minutes this year at center. Brand new for him. He's been a yeah. forward his whole career, played a little bit of center in spotty minutes last year, but that's his duty right now. That's what he's doing. He's averaging 25, 10, and 7. Um, I never expected that from him, man. He talked about wanting to be a top five player in this league. He's not there yet, but he's approaching it, man. So center Pascal Siakam, trend or dead end. Does this kind of success, does this kind of dominance continue? It's there. I say it stays. I said it a few podcasts ago that I think I'd rather have him over Paul George. And I feel good about that. Uh, I'm, I just think he is the driving force of that team. And I don't see any signs of him slowing down because what he does is so dependable. He gets to the rim. He does that dinky little spin move that you love so much. <laughs> and, and he, it just keeps working over and over and over again. Um, so yeah, I just, I think Nick nurse is going to put the ball in the hands of the guys he trusts and he trusts the right now. And his numbers definitely reflect being close to a top 10 player. Um, I think this kind of locks in. If this state keeps up, he's an all-NBA third-team guy. Absolutely, yeah, at least. Um, he is definitely making the argument right now for top 10 in the NBA. Um, I love to see that. It's just unreal that he's a center. It's unreal. I mean, the, the Raptors are such a fun team. They put out like four, six, nine guys at once in Fred Van yeah. Fleet. Yeah. Um, and for Pascal to be the guy to play center, it's really unexpected. I've just been waiting for the Raptors to pick up a center for years mm -hmm. and turns out they don't need it, man. Turns out he can do it just fine. I'm, you know, you don't expect rim protection from Pascal Siakam. That's really not what he's bringing, but offensively as a five, he is so perfect. Yeah. He opens everything up. Yes. He's shooting, you know, league average from three as well. And he's yeah. never been a three point shooter. And if you get that out of your center, it's, it's ridiculous. So here's a trend. Boston Celtics, your hometown team. I watched them the other night in person. They are 28th in the league in rebounding, and they're 18th best defense in the league right now. Do their defensive and rebounding woes continue? Is that a trend or, or a dead end? The rebounding is a trend. The rebounding, the shitty rebounding is going to continue, unfortunately. Um, I mean, you watch these guys, and Rob Williams has a fire to go get rebounds. 
Um, he does it pretty well, and he also tips the ball to his guys pretty well. He keeps possessions for the Celtics like pretty effectively. Um, when we got when we trot a double big lineup out there, that's Al Horford and Luke Cornett. Neither of those guys are crashing boards every single time. Um, seven foot two Luke Cornett had five rebounds in twenty five minutes the other day against the Wizards. That's not really acceptable. Um, not something you can really ask for. I obviously the defensive woes, uh, they're getting better, man. They were 27th before that Wizards game. It's an issue of small sample size, but on top of that, the energy has been weak for the Celtics defensively. Um, the game they lost where they put up 39, where they were up 39 to some small number against the Bulls, and then they ended up just sucking for the rest of the game. Their yeah. defense was pathetic. Leaving, losing assignments, guys getting backdoor cuts, guys getting open lanes to the hoop. Um, it was really bad. So I guess it's good that that happened really early. I expect the Celtics to tick up on the defensive end. So I'm going to say it's a trend, but with a caveat and for both. Um, I think until Rob Williams comes back, this is just who they are as a team. Uh, we saw them hold the Wizards to under 100, which is great. And they, it's the first time they've done that this season which is important because that shows they're growing on that side of the ball. But Rob Williams had such a unique and distinct role and they used him so effectively as just an off ball roamer who guarded the worst player, worst shooter on the other team. And he could just hang out and just block everything, grab every single rebound. And I think until you get that presence back, Luke Cornett and Noah Vonley, I don't view as the guys that can kind of like, really make the Celtics defense what we saw last year. I think Rob Williams is that piece, that he's what makes that defense so special. Um, So when he comes back, there'll be a top five defense. I have no concern about that whatsoever. But until that point, I think the Celtics are going to have to find new and interesting ways to keep teams from scoring because they can't rely on Rob Williams' great shot blocking at the rim, really. Yeah, I think what it has to be is the point of attack defenders need to step it up a little bit. Um, you got to make it harder for these guys to get to the rim in the first place because we just don't have the paint protection that we like to have. Um, I think that's fair. Honestly, Rob Williams brings so much defensively that your ceiling is just going to be lower without him. It's inevitable. There's really nothing yeah. you can do about it. I do expect it to get better because um, some of these games, it's just been bad. It's just been like disappointingly bad to see some guys who I consider to be, you know, smart defenders. Um, just losing their assignments and just ball watching um, and losing their guy. I don't really, I hate to see that from a team that I really respect the defenders. I expect that part to go away, but obviously their ceiling is like, you know, average to, you know, right outside a top 10 without Rob Williams. There's right. no way they get higher than that. Yeah. And I think that's fair. Um, I want to talk about a team that's shocked me in a bad way this season. The Golden State Warriors, they're under 500. They dropped a game to the Detroit Pistons last night. Cade cut them up. Uh, there were, I believe, four Pistons in double figures. Mm -hmm. or, I think, no, four Pistons four with, 20. with 20 points. Yeah, excuse me. Um, that is not Warriors basketball. And I'm very confused by it because freaking Steph Curry's been insane. Steph's been incredible to start this year. He's been really, really good. I, I don't know why they're playing poorly, and I'm not sure if it continues or not. What do you think? I don't know, man. It has been a little weird seeing them suck the way they have. Um, part of it is the personnel. Jordan Poole's playing 29 minutes a game. Klay Thompson's playing 25 minutes a game. Neither of those guys are defensive pieces. 
Um, Clay Thompson's not the man he used to be. Even offensively, he's slowed down. He's at 12 points on 13 shots a game. Yeah. Um, so I think the offense is going to get better for the Warriors. The defense is weird. That's all I can say about it. Andrew Wiggins is putting in more effort from the beginning here. Draymond Green's always doing his thing. But you're right, they're not stopping the Pistons. They're having they're letting four guys on the Pistons put up 20. Cade looked awesome yesterday. Yes. Um, he did. And he has <clears throat> he's starting to have like a lot of gravity as a single player where people all over the court are worried about where Cade's at. Yeah. Um, but even then, man, you gotta be able to beat the Pistons if you're the Warriors. They're 22nd right now in defensive rating and 20th, 19th actually in offensive rating. Yeah, that is not a championship team. No. That is not a team that can contend at the highest level. And when you drop a game to the Pistons, yes, we're seven games in, but it does mean something. It means something to me. Yeah. Um, especially when Steph Curry and Jordan Poole drop 62 points together, you're expecting the periphery pieces to kind of help you out a little bit. And it just didn't happen. Um, yeah, dude, their, their net rating is negative right now. They're letting up, they're averaging more points let up on defense than points scored on offense. Uh, which you don't expect from the Warriors. You expect them to be like a 120 a night kind of team offensively. Right. Um, and they've rarely hit that mark. They're number two in pace right now, which with the the bad offensive and defensive stats just makes it seem like it's a team just sprinting around out there, not really doing too much. Right. Um, Steph Curry needs help. Yeah, he does. And I don't know if he gets it. That's the thing. I think James Wiseman, I think his ceiling's lower than it. I thought it was when he was initially drafted. I think he's an awesome roller to the rim, but he cannot pass. He, he only has two assists on the year. Um, he He's not a guy that can do much of anything other than really draw gravity to the rim. So Yeah, and foul. Right, right. and that's not, that's not helpful. Jonathan Kaminga, I can say so far I'm a little disappointed by. Again, we're only seven games in, but it doesn't feel like he's making in the impact I thought he could. Uh, Moses Moody, kind of the same thing. I thought we heard a lot of chatter this summer, like, hey, he's going to be really involved and he's a good player and he's not even really showing us that. So I'm just a little confused. I think this might be this might be a trend, which is fucking weird. I, I don't know where that lands them in the uh, in the West, because right now they're the 11th seed and I don't think they're going to stay the 11th seed. But are they a guarantee to be a top four seed by the end of the season? I'm not sure anymore. So here's the thing I'll say to that is, you know, this is for the most part, the same unit as last year. Dante yeah. DiVincenzo joined this team and he does not take away anything. He just adds as a role player. Correct. Um, we saw what this team looked like when the chemistry is good. And when everybody's feeling happy and the team is uh, rolling, do you think that is the biggest factor right here? Uh, hurting the warriors right now? It could be, it definitely could be. Um, and it sounds so stupid me saying like looking forwards being like, oh, maybe they won't be a top four seed, but chemistry issues matter. Yeah. Like if you're not happy going into work every day, it matters. You feel it in your performance. And if that's what's affecting the Warriors. I don't know. We can't put an we can't put an amount of wins on how valuable that is right? because yes. they yeah. literally just won a championship. But then teammates are throwing punches at each other and like dissing each other through the media and shit like that that's right. not that's not what you want to see so i definitely could just be like overreacting a little bit this team could go on a roll and be the one seed it wouldn't surprise me at all but right now it's it has my ears perked up i kind of predicted chemistry issues to start the season after the punch it kind of feels like that was obviously going to come yeah um 
I don't know if they need like a punch in the mouth by, you know, losing to a team like the Pistons, if that's something that really wakes them up. Maybe, um, yeah. Or if they need something worse than that, man. I Because I can see this kind of level of energy continuing for a little while. Um, Steph Curry's incredible, but it just seems like as a unit, they're a bit broken. They're usually one of the most cohesive units in the NBA, and you're just not seeing that the way you usually do. Yeah, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, I want to pivot to another guy that really nobody's talking about. We may not even talk about him after this segment for a long time. De'Aaron Fox right now is putting up 28 points a game. Um, I had some questions about could this guy be an all-star before the season started, and I think the consensus everywhere was no. Um, just you know straight up no yeah but he's been awesome shooting 40 percent from three which is the biggest plus out there if you're De'Aaron Fox because he's never been a three-point shooter Um, really efficient driving to the hoop he's doing everything right seven rebounds a game 5.6 assists per game Um, I'm I'm really happy with what I'm seeing from De'Aaron Fox the Kings are not winning right now which sucks and they may continue to be bad I really thought this was their year and it's early but Trend or dead end, De'Aaron Fox doing well, Kings sucking. Both, both trends. I think De'Aaron Fox is going to have a very good season this year. I think this team is bad. Um, I think they just don't have the personnel to be a good defensive team. They have the personnel to be a good offensive team, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing. They're eighth in the league in assists, and they're somewhere in the middle of the pack for points per game. But, yeah, they're just a bad defense, and that's it's plagued this team forever. Like, ever since De'Aaron Fox got drafted, they've been a horrible defense. And I don't think bringing guys like Malik Monk or Matthew Delvadova or Kevin Porter helps that very much. Yeah, um, they've been a team that's bad defensively forever. And this offseason, they went and got more offensive-only pieces. You're right, absolutely- and, DeMont- and DeMontis Sabonis, as much as I think his game's interesting and I like it, he's not a defender. Like, no, that's just he's not been bad at game. it forever. Yeah, I mean, you go down this list, De'Aaron Fox put in a lot of energy his rookie year, but we haven't seen high-level defense from him, you know, since. Um, you go down that starting five, Malik Monk's not a defender. Harrison Barnes, not a defender. Um, Keegan Murray, not an all-level defender. He's passable. He's great in a system. But if you're asking him to, like, lock up the best guy on a team, he's not going to do it. Um, they don't have a guy on this team that's locking up the best player on the other side. Unless, you know, it's a guard and it's Davion Mitchell. I was just Davion Mitchell is a beast, but he's the only one. And he's 5'11". Yeah. Right? So it's like there's limits to what he can affect. You know, if the best player on the other team's a forward, too bad. You can't put your 5'11 guy on him and tell him to clamp up. That's not how yeah. it works. Um. So, yeah, this team, I think they're going to be in contention for Wemby or Scoot. Um. It's unfortunate. I just think this team... These fans are just fucking tortured because you, you go over to Indiana right now and you see what Tyrese Halliburton's doing. You probably want to cry, honestly. Like, yeah. uh, let me just read Tyrese Halliburton's stats out for everyone listening. 23 points per game, four rebounds, assists, 10 assists per game, but he's only averaging like three turnovers and his efficiency is at a ridiculous level right now. He's shooting 46% from three. 94% from the free throw line and 50% from the floor. Um, I think there's an arg- I think there's an argument to be made that Tyrese Halliburton's better than De'Aaron Fox right now. Um, so I, I don't know. I just the team's gonna struggle. I think they'll probably be in contention for Wemby or Scoot. Yeah, man. I wanted this to be their year they make the play in. I, you know, for Sacramento Kings fans, 
um, because this is a team full of NBA players. It's the first time in a while that they've had a team full of actually talented NBA players. They just forgot to go and get defense. Um, And I'm, you know, I don't know what the move is. Harrison Barnes is a movable piece, but who are you getting from Harrison Barnes that makes your defense better? You know, is there anybody? And this is the sad thing is they should be selling off their pieces. They should have sold off their pieces last year. Yes. Um, And they didn't do so. And now you have Harrison Barnes, who's just worse than he was two years ago when they should have shipped him away. Mm -hmm. So are you still getting the same assets back for Harrison Barnes? No, no. Um, I I just I just think, you know, who who can they trade to get either picks in the upcoming draft or in the upcoming drafts or get better? And I just don't I don't see a path. I don't see it. Maybe Kevin Herter. Right. But you just signed him. So it's like. They're stuck in no man's land. Their decision to be a playoff team and to try to win has put them in no man's land Um, because they're just, you know, like an 11 seed. That's all they're going to end up being. They're not good enough to bottom out with the, you know, the worst of the worst. Um, And maybe they are. Maybe that would be best for them if they could just bottom out this year. I just don't see it happening. They keep committing to this whole, we're going to be good this year. We're going to make the playoffs this year. Um I want to believe them, man. I got conned into believing them this year. Yeah. What's interesting with them in my perspective is let's say they you do add Wemby to this team, right? I do think they're a play-in team because they're I think their glaring issue is rim protection. That's what it is. That's if true. You have, if you have Wemby out on the court with Sabonis, you have Wemby Yama protecting the rim, and Sabonis is doing whatever the fuck he's doing on the defensive end of the ball. That's fine. And that works on offense as well. So it really is just they cannot protect the rim and they don't really have perimeter guys to defend either. But if you get Wemby, at least you know the rim is protected. Yeah. I mean, you know, Wemby on this team, we can, I guess I'm done talking about the Kings as a good team. They're not. They, yeah. they got to prove it first. I'm not going to buy the hype train anymore. But with Wemby Yama on that team, it would be different. Things would certainly be different. Um, I want to talk about the Atlanta Hawks. Trey Young right now is number two in the NBA in usage rate. Um, And after picking up DeJounte Murray, you really didn't expect that to be the case. You expected Trey Young to be a little more of an off-ball guy, to be able to do some catch-and-shoot stuff. But at the same time, Trey Young's putting up 31.5 points a game. He had 40-something the other night. Um, He's had some masterclass games. But the trend or dead end, the thing that I'm asking is, is that usage rate going to continue? Does Trey Young ever commit to being an off-ball guy? I honestly have no idea. I I don't know. Um, He is so good on the ball, and he has done it his entire career. But we've seen how it can kind of fizzle out a little bit. Um, He's also been really bad in terms of efficiency this year. He's 41% from the floor and 33% from three. Um, I don't really know. I'm I know a lot of people were starting to become high on the Hawks as the season came closer and closer. I don't know. I'm curious to view how they end up. Um, I think the East is weird right now because we see teams like the 76ers and the Nets and the Heat all kind of bad to start the season. Yeah. So I think the Hawks probably have a playoff spot locked, but... I don't really know. I don't know if DeJounte Murray, I don't know why you would make DeJounte Murray a more involved, really. I'm not sure why you do that at this point. 
I mean, I guess because you need, you know, more efficient looks. If Trey Young's going to be the guy, if he's going to be the solar system, he's got to be more efficient. DeJounte Murray right now is 39% from three, 45% from the field, seven assists a game on two turnovers. Um, he's doing what you expected him to do. Right. Um, you could up his usage rate and feel good about him running more possessions for your team. I just don't want to see Trey Young spacing out like four feet away from the three-point line, just hanging out, waiting for his chance to shoot again. Yeah, I guess I would say change something if they weren't four and two. Yeah, like, right. Like if they weren't playing well, I'd say, all right, time to get the ball out of Trey Young's hands. But right yeah. now, I mean, they're doing okay. They're kind of middle in the pack in every major category for a mm-hmm. team. If I see something slip, maybe it's worth a change in system. But as of right now, like if it's not broke, don't fix it. But maybe we see issues with that moving forward. But honestly, DeJounte's playing like an all-star, 26 and seven on really good efficiency, though, and great defense. Those are that's an all-star caliber player. So that's true. I don't know. I'm confused by that team. I was before the season. I, I still am. I, I want to watch more of them. I want to see how they operate um, before I can really kind of make any judgment about them. I'm just confused that they're foreign too. Um, I mean, they've beaten the Pistons twice. Yeah. So, so, so that helps. Yeah. And they've beaten the Magic once and they've beaten the Rockets. So their so four the wins shit. are against four of the worst teams in the NBA right now. Yeah. Um. So if you're an Atlanta Hawks fan, I guess you still do have to feel a little bit nervous about the fact that the two games they played against actually talented teams, they lost. Yeah. Um, I don't think the the solar system strategy is going anywhere with the Hawks. Honestly, I think I'd like to see it go somewhere just because I think Dejounte Murray's talented as hell and he could use yeah. the ball more in his hands. Um. But you probably right. This is the team they set up. This is the whole strategy. It's probably not going anywhere. Yeah. So a trend in, trend in dead end I want to talk about is the Rockets quote unquote big three being fucking horrible. Um, Kevin Porter Jr. He's 41% from the floor. Jalen Green, 37% from the floor. And Jabari Smith's 33% from the floor. All of them, like you look at their raw numbers, you're like, oh, they're putting up points, but they're doing it shot chucking the fuck out of the basketball. We spoke about this a few podcasts ago. This team is just, it's an AAU game. How many points can I score? And I don't give a fuck about my teammates. Um, is this just going to continue throughout the, throughout the season? And are they like the de facto worst team in the league right now? The margin of victory is they're dead last. They're being beaten by about 10 points a game. Every oh. Game. Yeah. Oh, um, it's, it's impressively terrible. It's really bad. Um, I used to think, man, like, why is Eric Gordon on this team? What is the point of having a guy like that when you could go get picks for him? Now I feel the opposite. Now I'm thinking, bring more vets onto this team. Um, Don't even, you don't even have to give them any minutes. You don't have to give them big roles, but you need some people on this team to teach these young guys, like, you know, how to be a unit together. Um, We're not seeing that. Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green are always going to be a good duo. I think they love playing together. I'm not sure they love sharing shots with Jabari Smith. I think, I mean, we saw a clip of it that I'm pretty sure we don't, we know that I'm yeah. pretty sure we know that yeah. at this point. And, you know, Jalen green is taking so many shots per game at this point. Like, yes, I know that's why they brought him in, but he's taking 19 shots per game. Yeah. That's, that's like Bradley Beal. That's like fucking Giannis. That's like, these are guys that are number one options on winning teams, taking that amount of shots. He's yeah. just out here chucking it. And he's hitting and seven of those 19 shots a game. Exactly. Like <laughs> he's not good. Um, yeah. So I'm a little confused because last year 
He ended on such a high note. He was averaging 28 points per game on really good efficiency. But then you kind of realize, oh, wait, in March, April, that's when all the teams just played their backups the entire fucking two months. Right. Right. So was he was he just cooking dudes who are accountants and bankers, yeah. or is this like an actual NBA player we need to care about? Um, I'm somewhere in the middle. I think everyone knows my opinion on Kevin Porter Jr. And I think Jabari Smith struggling the way he's struggling to start is concerning because this dude shot chucking. He's def he has not been shy to start his career. He's just not hitting any shots. Like right. he's just not making any shots. So. Yeesh, I, if you're a Rockets fan, like, I know I did my Sam Presti rant a little while ago. I feel like you feel the same way if you're the Rockets. It's crazy to think that, you know, the James Harden trade was only two years ago. So it's been a short window for them to get better. But it doesn't look like there's – I don't want to say there's no hope. But, like, if you land Wemby or Scoot, obviously everything changes, right? right? But as of right now, like, let's say they get the sixth pick in the draft, like – this team could be bad for a long time. They could, yeah. I mean, we talked about their future being so bright, and it is on paper. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, how, that's how it is a lot of the time in the NBA. Just guys don't play together the way you picture them in your head being able to play together. Yeah. Ego gets involved. You know, coaching could be an issue. Steven Silas is a new guy uh, as a head coach. He's only been doing it a couple of years. Who knows if he's even fit for that role. Um how do you feel future-wise comparing, because you brought up Sam Presti, comparing the Thunder and the Rockets, which one has the more uh, depressing future? The Maybe. Rockets, I think. Yeah. And that's that's after me doing my Sam Presti rant, because at least the Thunder have Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's yeah. just a very, very good player. Playing like an all-star right now. Right, and the Rockets don't have that guaranteed. Yeah. Like, people want to project out that Jalen Green's going to be that guy, and I'd love to see that, but... I mean, from what we've seen, is that is that going to happen? Like, are we sure he's yeah. the guy who's going right. to give you 28 points per game? So, yeah, man, I don't know. It's And we talked about Tari Eason so glowingly. They barely fucking let him play. Yeah. This was a guy who dominated preseason, who dominated summer league, and then he's getting 17 minutes a game and only scoring seven points. It's like... It just makes me think, like, if you give him more time, and I think he will get more time as the season goes along, like, does your defense change with him and Jabari out there together, being able to kind of switch on wings and shit like that? Right. Like, I don't know. This team, I'm not really pumped. Like, I almost tuned into them last night, and then I, I realized they were playing Phoenix, and I was like, I already know the fucking result of this game. Like, right. Phoenix wins. I don't need to watch them get creamed for an hour and a half. It's weird, man. Um, guys like Josh Christopher, I expect to play more, and he's getting eight minutes a game, like garbage time. Yeah, the whole game, the whole four quarters is garbage time. This team's awful. Yes, some guys like Tari Eason deserves more minutes. Josh Christopher, I loved last year. I had absolutely no problems with how he played. Um, you know, Jay Sean Tate's a guy you could move. Kenny Martin Jr. is a guy you could move. These guys are not cornerstones yeah. to your franchise give Tari Eason more minutes he at least showed in summer league that he's a dude you want to play right Who no, and... he's not like you know I'm not saying he's one of the best guys on your team I'm not saying any of that I'm just saying he's a guy you want to have on the floor right and these are the Rockets next few games and tell me if you see a win incoming okay we have the Clippers mm -hmm. who knows if Kawhi plays but still I think Clippers win they play the Clippers again they play the Timberwolves they play the Magic, which is maybe one you could see coming. But then they play Toronto, New Orleans, Clippers, Dallas. Like, that's 
do they get one win in the next eight games? The Clippers have lost four straight. I know, but even even that, you look at the Rockets and you're like, all right, they're just better than them at every single spot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Rockets fans, brace yourselves for an interesting season. Yeah, not a great season, unfortunately. Um, Kawhi Leonard has played two games so far for the Clippers, and they are two and four. He's played 21 minutes a game, and for the most part, he's just up there putting up shots. Yeah. Uh, I missed a couple games back-to-back. Um the Clippers offensive rating is 29th in the NBA right now. Uh, what are you feeling about the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard? Yeah, Clippers aren't. I My preseason prediction was the Clippers would beat the Celtics in the finals. The Clippers, as long as this keeps going, I don't want to even project out. I My interpretation of what was happening with Kawhi is the season would start and he would be playing in every game, right? And then his occasional, oh, like my knee hurts, I need to sit out. That is not what's happened. They're treating him like the injury. He just got healed with his injury. It's been a year and a half. Mm-hmm. He's probably been cleared to play for six months at this point. Um, I'm not feeling good about Kawhi. Honestly, I'm a little frustrated with him. I'm, I don't give a fuck about the Clippers. And I told you that the other day, like I have not seeked out a single one of their games this year, even when Kawhi has played. Um, it's not worth it to me to put on the game expecting him to play and then me finding out he's not playing. For me, that's it's just a big waste of time. I'm really down on this team. I I mean, you could listen to a podcast from a month ago and you can see how quickly my opinion has changed, but right. I don't know. I'm just not excited about it. When he's out there consistently, I'll, I'll be a fan. But as long as he's out, I'm going to ignore that he's around. Yeah, and it's frustrating that we keep having to ask this question, but how far in the future is that? How far? Right. How long do we have to wait for Kawhi Leonard to actually start playing games? Um, I expected this to be like a reverse. I expected them to be 4-2 and two, at least. Um, they've always played like a team that does really well without Kawhi and Paul George. They play like a unit very, very well together. Um, I don't know what's happened, but you go and you look at the percentages and all the guys you want to do well, Paul George, not shooting very well from three, 26% on seven attempts. Uh, Reggie Jackson, 32%. Norm Powell, 23%. Kawhi, yeah. 17%. Um, numbers have been bad so far. I thought this was going to be an excellent year for the Clippers. They still have a lot of time, but yeah. you know, for now, I hope this is a dead end. I hope so too, but I'm going to say it's a trend until we see Kawhi play, I don't know, three games in a week. Right. Like, yeah, right. literally, that's what it's going to take for me. I need to see that he's at least somewhat healthy. I'm going to pretend the Clippers don't exist this year. Honestly. That's fine. That's definitely fair. Uh, let's talk about another team that's surprisingly terrible. The Brooklyn Nets. Um, yeah. Their defense has been a, as bad as you can ask for. Yeah. Um, every feels like every guard or forward on that plays the Nets goes and has a career game. Ben Matherin put up 32. Desmond Bain and Ja put up 38 at the same time. Uh, the only time somebody has not put up 30 on the Nets this year was when Zion and B.I. both had 28 and 29 in the game opener. Um, their defense is so terrible. Feels like I like there is nothing that can fix this. The only guys that are waiting that are injured are more offensive players who bring nothing defensively. Uh, trend or dead end this horrid start for the Brooklyn Nets. This is a trend. This is a trend. I talked to you about it yesterday. They have some pieces that are coming back, like Seth Curry, Royce O'Neal, TJ Warren, guys that I respect. 
Um, that doesn't help their issues, though. They have the worst defense in the league, and they have the second worst rebounding. They're the second worst rebounding team in the entire league. Rebounding and defense is what makes you a playoff or a championship caliber team. And they're literally worse than every other team at keeping people from scoring. And they're almost worse than everyone at keeping people off the glass. Um, this is a trend. I don't care how good Katie is. I don't care how good Kyrie is. This is a trend. This team's probably a play-in team at best. Seems like it right now, man. Their defensive rating is 122. It's it's unreal. Per 100 possessions, they're giving up 122 points. And it's, it's a, not a fluke. It's a layup line. Yeah. It is a layup line, yeah, and wide open threes. You're getting wide open shots all over the floor. Um, Ben Matherin put up 32 points, like easily. I love Ben Matherin, but what it like not something you expect from him. Um, and I think the Pacers put up like 130 in regulation on him or something. Um, they're ugly games to watch, man. It's really like it's been tough to watch. Kevin Durant and Kyrie are both putting up 30 a game. Uh, the offense isn't the problem. There aren't defensive, I mean, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is the guy that we need to be all defense caliber. We need him to like play the five, do a little bit of rim protection. Um, I don't think I'll ever call him a guy that can guard one through five again. Um, Cause he doesn't bring rim protection. He can yeah. guard one through four. We saw him guard Kemba. We saw him guard yeah. like quick guards, Trey young. He can get in front of, but if you're expecting him to protect the rim at all, you're going to be disappointed. Disappointed. Yeah, and there we're learning. We I feel like that term maybe likes to get thrown around a little bit. Guard one through five. Yeah, uh, it's there's not like Benson. three of them in the NBA: Giannis, Evan Mobley, Bam. Yeah, and Draymond Green. Yeah, and, Draymond. That, and that's the list. Um, yeah. but for Ben Simmons, he is still a dynamic defensive player. He's awful at offense, and that'll never change. But you know, I'm looking at this roster here. Are you willing to part ways with maybe Cam Thomas and Seth Curry in a package to my for Miles Turner? Like yeah. you have to get a rim protector in there some, and there's, they're not just out there to grab, right? Like you need to go to the bad teams and look at good players on the bad teams. And there's just not a whole lot of options. Like miles Turner is the option for them. And we know the Lakers are con- considering getting him, excuse me. Um, so yeah, this team, we, I'm not we excited talked about, about the options yesterday. We talked about how they improved defensively and it's, you don't buy into Kevin Durant and Kyrie and you don't ship Jared Allen out in the first place two years ago. Um, we're seeing him in Cleveland. He is one of the best rim protectors in basketball and they got rid of him so that Deandre Jordan could play more minutes. Um, I, you know, we give LeBron a lot of shit for the team that he's put together. I think Kevin Durant and Kyrie deserve a lot of that blame as well. Um, they don't have defensive pieces. Nobody's trading for, nobody's going to give them defensive pieces. This is the team. Ben Simmons is going to have a heavy load to carry. And so far, man, 1.2 steals a game. He looks dejected. He doesn't really look that excited to be out on the floor. Uh, I'm not going to shit on the offense because I just feel bad for him when I yeah. want him to get there. Um, but defensively, that's all I'm asking for, for Ben Simmons. Just guard your ass off. Stop the best player on the other team. Is it worth it to trade for Mo Bamba from the Magic? Like, honestly, are we at that point <laughs> for the Nets where it's like, we need Mo Bamba. Let's get rid of Seth Curry for Mo Bamba. <laughs> Dude, I mean, maybe, maybe. Maybe the Orlando Magic want like a Cam Thomas and another young guy. Right, right. Um, if you could hold on to Seth Curry, I think that would be excellent. But, you know, maybe that is what you do, man. Nick Claxton, if you're expecting that guy to be your rim protector, he's not that big, man. Uh, he's no. a skinny dude. He's a really good rim runner. But if you're expecting him to hold the fort down in the paint, that's not what he's there for. 
And Mo Bamba came into the league as a string bean, but now he's jacked. Yeah. Right. So like he's seven foot as one of the longest wingspans in the league, 230 pounds of basically all muscle. Yeah. Like well, least... With what we're seeing from Bull Bull, I think the Magic could afford to get rid of Bamba. And that's what I'm saying. So it's like, you know, if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, is Mo Bamba your savior? Like that's where you're at. So yeah, congrats. how much pressure is that for him? to bring a young guy onto this team that expected to be the one seed right now and tell right. him like, you're going to be the reason this team wins. Right. And I mean, we said this, I don't know when I said this shit, but we were just both like blow the nets up. Or at least I know I was like slamming the table. You need to trade Kevin Durant. You need to trade Kyrie. Just let Ben Simmons and a bunch of role players run, run for a little bit and like gather yeah. some assets back through the draft absolutely what they should have done mm -hmm. absolutely what they should have done i don't care that it's six games this team is miserable kevin durant's probably wasting a year this year i mean even if they make it into the play-in are we sure like they could beat the team like a team uh like the raptors in a one game are we sure they beat the raptors in a one game dude are the raptors even a play-in team right like I think the they're East, better than that but like right. even like the bulls you know or the heat or the Heat, yeah. No, those teams are probably beating the Nets unless Kevin Durant puts up 45. Exactly, and he's definitely prone to do that, so we can't rule it out. But you're not confident heading into that game as a Nets fan. I, I no. doubt it. Yeah, this you're definitely right. Yeah. I did not expect a, like just this awful of a start, one in five through six, and just the margin of victory has just been sad. Yeah, and the thing is, too, is like even if they do improve on the defensive end and even if they do improve rebounding, they're still going to be bottom 10 in both of those categories, guaranteed. That's still a play-in team. That's still a team that has no shot to win a championship. So, yeah, yeah, crazy shit. You're right, dude. I want to, uh, if we're getting towards the end of this year, I want to talk about a great team that we have not talked about yet. The Phoenix Suns, I did not expect to start this hot, man. Uh, Chris Paul worried me in that playoffs last year. He looked old and slow and hobbled, and he must have been dealing with a mess of injuries. Right now, the Phoenix Suns have the best offensive rating in the league and a top four defensive rating in the league. Devin Booker seems like arguably the best shooting guard in the league. Him and Donovan Mitchell are fighting neck and neck for that spot. Uh, Chris Paul's not the man scoring. He's got more assists per game than points. Um, <clears throat> but this team is just rolling, and the defense has been great. Everything's been great. This is a trend that I didn't expect. I can see this continuing for the rest of the season, and I was so down on them to start the year. Yeah. Uh, Devin Booker's that guy. Um, yeah. If anyone's going to argue that he's the starting, like the best shooting guard of the league, I'm okay with that. Right. Uh, I think Mitchell's been incredible, but Booker's <clears throat> been close to as good as him, right? Yeah. So I, I have no issue with someone saying that this team runs through him now. Yes, CP's there and he keeps this team from turning the ball over and stuff like that. But this is Chris, I mean, this is Devin Booker's team now. And it's very obviously that when you have your second star player scoring nine points a game and you have the other guy scoring 30 a game, it's 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 clear whose team it is. I think this team's sneaky good. I, I kind of expected a falling off just after that fucking horrible game seven to the Mavericks. But no, they're still a unit. They're still going to be great. You go and you look at their stats, man, and it's just absurd when you look at some of these numbers. Uh, second in the NBA in assists, first in the NBA in field goal percentage, yeah. first in the NBA in opponent field goal percentage, um, number one in blocks. Like, they're so high in so many things. 
Um, Devin Booker putting up five and a half assists per game is awesome. Chris Paul putting up 11 through six is what we expect. Chris Paul's a game. Chris Paul's game ages beautifully. Um, he, you want him to be a good mid range shooter. I think he still needs that in his game to be super effective, but yeah. he's always going to be a good game manager. He's always going to be able to find open guys. Um, and the fact that they've been able to transition and Devin Booker is the man. I love that. I didn't expect that, you know, four years ago before this was a playoff team when it was just Devin Booker balling out on a shitty team. I don't right. think I could have ever expected Devin Booker to be the best guy on the best team in the West, but he is right now. Yeah. Yeah. He's a guy that can bring you to a championship as the best guy, which I don't think we were sure of a few yeah. years ago. So, I disrespected his top 10 season last year. He may put up another one this year, man. Yeah. It's time to just shut up and give him respect. Yeah. Um. I think that's it for me, Ben. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about? I don't have anything else. No, it's been a weird start to the NBA season. Um, yeah. We're going to see some shit change over the next couple of weeks, and we'll be there to update you on it. Actually, I lied. I have one more thing to Word, say before we get on out of here. So I had the privilege of going to the Cavs Celtics game in person, and I got to see one of the coolest fucking games of all time. I had Donovan Mitchell drop 41. I saw Karis LeVert drop 41. I saw Evan Mobley and Jared Allen both have double doubles. I saw Tatum and Brown both score 30. Um, Just an awesome, awesome game. Boston really does have a special arena. The Garden in Boston the fans there are just ridiculous. Like they are so loud. It's deafening in that building when they go on a run. It was just awesome to get to witness up close and personal. It was just so, so much fun. It looked really cool. And just, you know, cause you were there and you saw it. What were the takeaways for both teams? Takeaway for both teams was the Cavs have a ridiculous defense. Uh, to start that game, the Celtics were shooting 66% from the floor and 50% from three at half. And then after that, they could not score. They just couldn't do it. And the Cavs were kind of abusing Luke Cornett. Um, and that's where the game turned, where Donovan Mitchell and Karis LeVert kept hitting contested threes and Evan Mobley and Jared Allen inside just protecting the rim and scoring at the rim. The game completely flipped. Man, I didn't watch Donovan Mitchell enough when he was on the Utah Jazz. Um, this is some shit that like, at this point you expect this kind of production from him night in and night out. And I've seen him ball out on the jazz, but it wasn't like I was watching 50 of his games a year. I tune into like a dozen, maybe Yeah, um, he's doing this consistently. He's every single game. He is efficient from everywhere on the floor. He's and it's not turnover heavy. No, he's throwing down posterizer dunks and also hitting seven threes in the same game. Yeah. Like it's just the inside outside scoring he brings to a team is ridiculous. And, you know, for our listeners, if if you're Bill Simmons fans, like he tweeted out this morning that he thinks Donovan Mitchell is a guy who can be the best player on a championship team. And I kind of feel the same way now. I did not feel that way even four months ago. Because now I'm seeing it defensively and I'm just seeing like otherworldly efficiency. And yes, it's going to dip at some point, but even if it stays close to what he's doing, this is like an MVP caliber season through the first six games, of course. Right. It's early, but you're right. It is MVP caliber. They're five and one. He needs to have that respect. I think if you're a jazz fan, you got to be a little upset at his defense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Knowing he had this in him the whole time. And watching him get just cooked possession after possession in last year's playoffs. I guess, you know, that should just tell you it was time to call it. 
Danny Ainge made the right decision blowing up that team. I've heard Donovan Mitchell talk about how him and Rudy wanted to run it back one more year. Um, and Danny Ainge just didn't make that decision. Um, he made the right call. Donovan Mitchell's in the perfect situation in Cleveland. He could be the best guy on a championship team. At the start of the year, I thought, you know, if they win a first round series, that is the ceiling for them. That is the pinnacle of success for them this year. Their ceiling's higher than that. I agree. I don't know what it is, but I, I think it's higher than that. So I'm excited to just see how that team plays throughout the entire year. And I, I remember last podcast, I did a little Mobley rant at the end there. I got got a little sweaty and angry. He's playing. <laughs> he's actually getting the touches he deserves now. Yeah. JB Bickerstaff is making it a priority to run sets for him to get touches. Um, Yeah, everything everything's good in Cavs land right now. I'm going to ride with JB Bickerstaff. I was a bit iffy on him after the start of the, after the first couple of games, I watched him talk to Karis LeVert after that Celtics game and just give him props for, yeah. you know, finding his rhythm, taking the shots where he can get them and like being the man. Um, I like seeing that. I like seeing a coach that like genuinely hypes up his guys like that. Yeah. He cares. The guys love him. Mm -hmm. I was just frustrated because it's, you have a generation talent on your team and he's taking seven shots a game like right. I was just how as a head coach you can't let that happen and to his credit he's he making changes it, yep he said in the media he needs to get more touches and the next game it happened so you know he fixed the issue I had and everything looks great yeah man and fucking shout out to Dean Wade for actually being <sighs> a, a shout out to that bench um I gotta start giving them respect I thought Dean Wade was tiny I made a TikTok and I called him six five <laughs> he's six nine Paolo made him look tiny but still he's a big man yeah yeah so thank you guys for listening as Ben just mentioned you got to go follow us on our social media uh, platforms we have TikTok Instagram um at the double double pod and yeah Ben anything else before we get out of here that'll be it thanks everybody for tuning in peace out